Blog Talk Radio. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Hip Politics. You know what it is. It's a new year. We're back. New year, new crew, new guests. It's Mark Jarrell. You know what they call me, the hip politician. Chester Davis on the board. Little crossover there. We got Terrence Shaw, new member of the team tonight. We have the judge in the house. Judge Joe Brown will be with us. And you know what? I think we're going to put America on trial, everybody. There's a lot going on. I want to talk about Ferguson. I want to talk about the Supreme Court. I want to talk about our criminal justice system as well. So we're going to talk about a whole lot of things. We'll bring the judge on in just a minute. Go ahead, hear some good music. Get your dance on. Do whatever you want to do. Don't forget, hip politics is the free speech zone. You can say whatever you want to say, however you want to say it. Chester will open up the chat room in just a few minutes. If you want to give us a call, call in 646-668-8655. Almost forgot the number, everybody. That's 646-668-8655 if you have questions for the judge. So uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll bring the judge on. It's hit politics, everybody. We're back. All right, everybody, just a quick break. And like I said, tonight we've got Judge Joe Brown on. A lot going on politically, a lot going on in the world. Trump, um, Trump, 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 and more Trump. But we had some things going on in Ferguson. I want to get to that. I want to talk about Neil Gorsuch. And uh, this is just a man that we need to uh, get this thing started. First night back, Judge Joe Brown, welcome to Hip Politics. Hey. How you doing tonight? All right, I'm doing okay. I hope I'm doing as well as I. Am. Hey, I, I'm I'm doing great. If I if I was doing any better, I'd be twins. I tell you, we had a uh, had a great day today. There's, like I told everybody, there's a lot going on. Um, you know, the interesting thing about you, you don't, you don't need any inter- introduction. You have a you have a common name, but all you gotta do is say Judge Joe Brown. Everybody knows who I'm talking about. You know. <laughs> I had to work hard. You now listen. We're gonna get into that because you certainly upset a lot of people. As a matter of fact, um, I I know you uh, you had to spend some time uh, uh, behind bars. As a matter of fact, didn't you? 
Well, yeah, that's uh, that's that old-time civil rights nonsense. It's a racist operation down here in Memphis, Shelby County. The Justice Department says it's the most, let's see what, quote, bigoted, biased, racist, and prejudiced operation they've ever investigated. The thing was set up by wow. some character, a clown, who dropped out of the seventh grade so the judge doesn't have a law license, law degree, college degree, or high school diploma. And wow. they privatized the place about 35 years ago. It's held by a corporate entity, and they it's just disgraceful what they do to the poor and the black community in this area. And it's a shame yeah. because in this county, only 24.8% of the registered voters are white, and in the city, that's only 191 Yet they let that insidious mess of a privatized institution control everything, and they've been acquiring jurisdiction over all sorts of things they've got no business inquiring on. What I went to jail for was this. There was a woman approached me, and I turn, it turned out I had a remote connection to her, but she's in her 50s, and she only has one child, a grown son, who's finished college, and somebody had come back in her life after 25, 30 years and walked in off the street, didn't swear anything, and just said, this woman's the mother of my child. He's not paying child support. He claimed she was the mother of his daughter. She never had a daughter. And they wound up arresting her, putting her in jail. The thing got dismissed, and then they picked it back up twice in the next eight years. So when I walk in, she's just got a brand new gig paying 150 some thousand a year. And they did a background check. And then this clown, his name was Harold Horn, that I used to castigate years ago when I had appellate jurisdiction over those bozos. He starts talking about he doesn't have time to worry about it. Now, this is the so, judge. Harold Horn is the judge. No, he's not a judge. He's a lawyer that got hired. Oh, the previous gotcha. judge down there had no law license, and 35 years ago, the state Supreme Court said he was too ignorant to hear cases unless somebody gave him specific written permission. So he started hiring all these lawyers to hear cases for him that he was getting paid to hear but couldn't and kept getting elected, running hmm. a game, and that since he wasn't a lawyer, the sanctions against judges being involved in politics didn't apply to him. So it's now, how, how did you wind up in jail? Well, I just basically put my foot down. I had issued some orders 20-some years ago personally, and his character, Harold Horn, was violating them. So we have a new thing that's going on in the country. We have the use of disciplinary institutions to control conscientious young lawyers and judges who want to make things right. So they sit there. You had one not too far from where you were. A young black judge got elected by the people to put a stop to the racism. The elected DA in his area had been systematically excluding blacks from juries, so finally the guy just said enough, enough, and dismissed the jury that had had all the blacks excluded from it and called the DA a racist. So they suspended the guy for several months without pay. 
and wound up making him apologize uh, to the DA for calling him a racist, which is exactly what he was. That's called, uh, that. that's what judges do. So all of a sudden that becomes wrong. So all of a sudden you got a little lightweight who's never practiced much of any law who's been down there because he had family connections with that racist. Uh, that ran the juvenile court and it went from there. And frankly, the first time I appeared in front of that place more than 40 years ago, this fool thought I was on his docket, not a lawyer, and he called me the N-word. So we really went off down there. Wow. So, wow. I, so I think one of the things that's interesting, though, is, is that you get – a lot of people don't understand. A lot of people think that, you know, somehow you just uh, – um, you know, materialized on TV, but they don't understand your background, you know, as a lawyer, um, as a, a, a judge that was not on camera for, for, for many years and, and uh, had, you know, uh, literally thousands of decisions, made thousands of decisions well, even before. Talk to us. This down. Uh-huh. Okay. I, I didn't grow up in the South. I grew up in Los Angeles, kindergarten all the way through law school. And I went to UCLA as an undergrad, wound up going to UCLA Law School. I got out of there. I got a job in Tennessee, and it was with legal services. So I moved back here for that purpose. And then I was uh, with Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, and then I became the first black prosecutor in the history of the city's history. And then I ran the public defense office. And then somewhere about 1978, I went into private practice, and I specialized in criminal and law and trial work. I helped train the capital defense team for the public defender's office. I tried 42 capital murder cases where they were asking for the death penalty as a lawyer. Not one of my clients is still on death row. I represented the youngest person in the world on death row, got a stay of execution 27 minutes before they want to execute him. He had been 15 for just two weeks at that point and got the conviction set aside unanimously by the Arkansas Supreme Court. I got elected to the bench in 1990. And I did a whole lot of things. And I was the least right. first judge in the whole state of Tennessee. And I was, since everybody's worried about it, uh, this week, I happened to be the last judge to hear an appeal by James Earl Ray, and it was my intention to have issued an opinion saying he was not the gunman. They still have not caught the gunman, and that rifle that they have was not the murder weapon. Now, you're talking about Martin Luther King, obviously the assassination of Dr. King. And, you know, yeah. I, I, I do want to get – there's so much ground I want to cover with you, Judge. Um, you know, and, and, and you put out a lot, and I'm glad you, you, you basically – you know, spit out a, a small fraction of your resume, and which yeah. I think is very, very important because, you know, I don't want think, people to think, like I said earlier, that you just materialized on TV, um, you know, because of your good looks, right? So I want to make but, sure everybody understands uh, that, that, you know, you had credentials before that. And um, what we're going to oh, do, yeah. we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about some things because I know you know what, what, what just happened in Ferguson. I want to talk about Neil Gorsuch, and I want to get to Dr. King and, and James Earl Ray. So much ground I want to cover. Everybody, if you're listening, it's Judge Joe Brown on the line. Hit politics, first show back. If you want to talk to the judge, got a question, 
646-668-8655. Also, meet me in the chat room. Chester's making it happen. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with the judge. I guess what? Guess what, everybody? Here we go. We're back from break. Hit politics. Got Judge Joe Brown tonight, everybody. So listen, 646-668-8655. If you want to talk to the judge, you have to hit option one. Don't forget, option one is the option that you lets us know you have a question. Chester will meet you in the green room, and uh, we'll get you on. A lot of ground we want to cover, like I just said. Uh, want to definitely. So, Judge, listen to this. Ferguson, Missouri. Now, we went through the Michael Brown situation. We have 20, approximately 20,000 residents in, in Ferguson. 67 to 70% African American in this town outside of St. Louis. They just have a mayoral election. So their mayor, um, who's um, the last couple of... Um, Last couple of cycles was a guy named James Knowles, Democrat, running against a uh, African American Ella Jones. Now, who do you think wins this race in this town? Town sixty-seven, sixty-seven percent black, Judge. The one white. Twenty-nine percent white. The one white person in the race. It was a it was a white person and a black person and the one white person in the race to your point one. Now listen to the margin and this is what I want to get your reaction on. The margin was fifty seven percent to forty three. So let's give me give numbers because I, I know people hate when I give percentages. That's almost nineteen hundred votes. Let me give tell you it what to that me. means. Talk to me. For the last for the last eighteen years, they've had what they call differential vote counting. 
particularly mm-hmm. when they switch over to electronic voting. This is not a hack done through the net like these idiots on CNN were talking about with the Russians doing the American election. You can't do it that way. Okay. But what okay. you can do is a lot of these voting machines, they use what they call a candidate numbers. Instead of having a candidate's name inside the machine, there is a number, and when the person votes for the voter, votes for a person, he's actually voting for a number with a name to it. And there may be multiple numbers, say five or six different candidate numbers that are actually in the programming for the machine and only two candidates. And they will divide the vote up so it comes out the way they want. And that's been going on for a while, so you can pretty much dictate the outcome of an election. That has to change, but that requires an awareness that we are not getting because both political parties have been essentially pressing an advantage for the moneyed interest at the expense of ordinary people. And black people have an interesting function these days, which is to vent hostility and aggression on an interpersonal basis with the rest of society so they don't pay attention to what's going on economically and how they get ripped off. So, so you you know what's interesting, Judge? So, you know, in doing my research about you, you know, you're, you're, you're really, really interesting. You've done a lot of, um, you know, you've done a lot of interviews and things of that nature. And and I can't really tell where you fall on the political spectrum because I listen to some things and I say, okay, he he's progressive or, or liberal on certain things, and then he falls more on the conservative line on other things. Where do you fall on the political spectrum? Am uh, I right with that, or am I am I just totally well, off? No, here here's what it is. I have never had an ideology other than treating people right. I Mm -hmm. do not find that I need to be loyal to any particular party, though my assessment of what's going on right now is both parties are in the back pockets of big moneyed interests. The Democrats have been searching frantically for the sugar plum fairy, and the Republicans have been looking for the fearless leader, and they wound up getting the wrong one. So it's a big Mm -hmm. game, and what they're doing with the news these days is turning it into an entertainment. So you have to drop back. Just briefly on this, there are five things the public needs to keep in mind. Julius Caesar said it years ago. He said, feed them and entertain them, and they won't care what they get had done to them. And we've got <laughs> basketball, NFL, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, every kind of distraction, Atlanta Housewives, the Cardassians, and all kinds of sitcom nonsense that people pay attention to instead of politics. Machiavelli ran down what the Republican Party does. He said people will submit to the worst oppressions if there's a chance, however slight, of them becoming part of the oppressing class. And the typical rank-and-file Republican supporter thinks he's going to win the lottery week after next. So he'll, you know, you see it. somebody's got four teeth missing in the front of his mouth, one eye doesn't work right. He's walking with a lip, and he's talking about creeping socialism through government involvement in health care, and he's getting ripped off left and right. You have uh, Adolf Hitler came up with one, tell a lie long enough and loud enough. 
and you've got one for me, which is the media these days is more interested in entertainment than it is in providing information, and they're trying to drive commercial revenue from advertising. So they want you to want to tune in to see the latest little something that Trump has done, and that isn't even the issue. But, no, you know, I, I, think that's talk- a, I think that's a great point, though, because I, I, and and so your points are well taken. In 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 your last point, particularly because it's yours, I, I find it the most interesting for a couple of reasons. Well, number one, every time I, to- I tune to CNN, I'm I'm probably a CNN junkie. I'm being programmed. I already know this, but I'm a CNN junkie. Every time I turn on CNN, Judge, I you know what I see? Breaking news. Breaking news. It could be. Donald Trump walked across the street. Barack Obama went to Starbucks or whatever, but it's always breaking news, you know, every time I turn every time I tune in. So, to your point, it it does seem like we live in a in a era uh, a time of where, you know, the media is more about entertainment than information. And you know, I I think it it's it's affecting us and and it's the game of distraction. So, even when we look at Donald Trump right now, and I always hear people talking about distraction and things of that nature. But I want to know from you, you know, what, what's your assessment of, of what you're seeing from the Trump administration at this point? And, um, you know, where do you think we're headed? The most disgusting president we've had in my lifetime was Ronald Reagan. But they love him as a saint because there was a good PR game run through that, but lied to long enough and loud enough. You well, they love him now. Oh, yeah. What you don't get, for example, how do they portray Donald Trump? This spoiled, rich kid comes in there, used to getting his own way. Okay, true. Who's the richest president ever to sit in the White House? Um, That's a great question. I'm I'm not sure. Tell me. Barack Obama. Business Insider reports his net income for a year is $200 million a year. Trump is deemed worth that as a net income. See, Barack Obama's stepfather, Lolo Sotoro, when he died a few years ago, was one of the 10, 15 richest men on the planet Earth. He left everything to a trust fund with three equal beneficiaries, Barack and his two half-siblings. And they're under Indonesian law, not American law, so they can't touch it. So that's the richest man ever to sit in the White House. And if you look at his executive orders and what he did support when he was in the Senate and also as a president, it switches. Like, for example, we get all of this. Everybody wants to support Obama. Well, the truth of the matter is the Obama administration did not draft affordable health care. U.S. Senator Bill Frist, senior Republican senator from the state of Tennessee, former senator majority leader until 2007, whose family founded Blue Cross, Blue Shield, and most of the HMOs wrote it. And it's a complete ripoff of the insurance companies, but most people don't know that, and the news media does absolutely no reporting on that. So, so Judge, you know what I want to do? You, you, raised up, you raised some interesting points. What I want to do is... I know what people are thinking. They want to understand how you know this information. The rest of us don't. Obviously, you have resources that we don't. Well, I, I, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying, but 
you and I both know that we as people, we're sheep. We're sheep. We, we get look. fed. We, That's, we there you go. And we look at ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox News, local right. news, right. because the want commercial revenue. And that's where we get it. We don't read anymore, and then we don't have but one newspaper per town now that's a daily and maybe uh, one or two weeklies, depending upon how big, and that information is biased. We spend our time using smartphones and computers for social gossip rather than acquiring information. So we want it digested in a 15-second soundbite, and the subject may take a 15-volume book series in order to get into it. But we don't want to go that way because we've got all of these other entertainments that distract us. And as fat as we're getting as a nation, we certainly get fed well enough. But That's say, right. It's a game. <laughs> For example. Hold on one second, Judge. Let's take a quick break. Everybody, we're going to come back with Judge Joe Brown. If you got a com- if you got a question or a comment, Feel free to give us a call, 646-668-8655. Press option one. It's hip politics, everybody. Getting deep over here. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. It's a matter of life and death, no regret. Life's a test, trite with special effects. Neighborhoods full of reps. Cities are projects where the young cadets get strikes from the best. And comrades, the quest to be the next to finesse. Collect death and select best for death threats. Object cheddar, better your total net. With trends and seven ways to express the outfits. Friends get wet, trying to make ends connect. Avenues to check, boulevards sweat. The smell of gun smoke's more common than cigarettes. We got clicks for wreck, we like pits for pets. We got giants and jets and nicks, janks and mess. We like much respect, sex extra wet. In high tech dialect, you ain't catch yet. Big shots with big knots and big props. Yo, this is where the bullshit stops. Where herbs get got. If you snitch, you get shot. We get down and leave the town in a state of shock. We got dangerous hangout spots and slick cops. Place called Rackers Island where kids get locked. A lot of gear to rock. Blocks of clothes shops. Styles of chop knots. This is the place to watch. You blast the box. The radio station is hot. Ease your mind staring at skylines from rooftops. Flip scripts with chips and new whips off the lot. Quick to call a shot. Politics. With thick plots in the garden of Enoch is deceiving. We got to make sure the core of the big apple don't rot. We're seeing, believing, we be achieving a lot with this Josh created hip hop. All right, everybody, welcome back to Hip Politics. America is on trial tonight. We got Judge Joe Brown. We got the right person for the job. And before we went to break, we were <laughs> getting really, really, really deep. Got a lot of ground to cover halfway through the show. 646 668. 8655, if you got a question or comment for the judge, press option one. So, judge, listen, you know what? You got a lot of information. So what I was saying before we went to break was, how do you have the information? Like, well, I know people are wondering, words, like, where, well, how come I don't know this? You have to do the work. What do you spend your time doing? If you want to spend your time acquiring knowledge and you know how to be Merlin the magician and work magic, that's one thing. If you want to spend your time watching a ball game or going out partying or gossiping, then you don't pick this up. Right. What right. do you like to deal with? 
and see stuff's out there. You just have to read it. Like you can pull this stuff down. Uh, United States codes annotated and find out what affordable health care is. Read the stuff. It just takes some doing. It may, you know, it's like going to class again. But if you want to discover what's going on, it's up to you to do it. The news media doesn't do it. No, they they, they definitely don't do it. And I mean, you're you're exactly right. So so how do how do we combat from somebody saying, listen, um, Judge Joe Brown is a uh, is just a conspiracy theorist. He he's on the opposite side of Steve Bannon, basically. He you know uh, he, he's he, just spouting he, these he out, uh, just spouting these ideas out here. Steve Bannon doesn't count really. See, if you look at what Trump's doing, he's got really little support from the Republican Party, none from the Democratic Party. So he's doing what you call. Did you ever see Brewster's Millions with Richard Pryor? With Richard Pryor, yeah, I did see that a long, okay. long time ago. Long time ago. Remember when the rich white uncle left him all that money, but he had to spend up several million dollars first to get it out of his system and couldn't tell anybody exactly. before he got the big fortune? In other words, exactly. That, that was the premise of the movie, right? Yeah. So what he's doing is he's giving them what they want, but you can see the CNN type headline is "Civil War in the Republican Party," "Civil War in Washington D.C." See, that is, okay, I gave you guys what you wanted. It doesn't work, so I'm going to have to do it myself. See, that's the longer-term strategy. And, you know, you think right. in terms of something next week, four weeks, you know, five months from now rather than tomorrow. So the next bloody thing that goes on is that you have to understand where the vested interests are. Here's what the big problem is with the country. The United States of America has bought into this big lie of private enterprise and that how much more efficient it is than government-run stuff. Well, government-run stuff only has to deal with cost and effectiveness. Private enterprise has to make a cost assessment and profit, and that profit is something else, and their business is not altruism. It's making money. So you buy into that, and what we have found is that There is no long-term plan to deal with the obsolescence of the typical working person when it comes to the value of their labor. You have industrial technology and computerization so that working hard and getting ahead is no longer part and parcel of the scheme for the first time in human history. Second thing is there's a big population that's getting more crowded, so you want to vent their frustrations and aggressions. So they stay reasonably cohesive, and there's nobody better than black folks to do that. Next thing, to vent their altruistic things, uh, instead of having the minority of the black folk, uh, African-Americans, Afro-Americans, or the color of the Negro, to feel good about, you have an elective uh, minority. It's called LGBT. So that becomes the popular one. And then you have this other thing. Black folk last hired, first fired, and first used to rectify. So you've got a deficit of jobs available that pay what you think they ought to. So to keep from getting a Timothy McVeigh who will blow up a courthouse in Oklahoma City using fertilizer for the bomb, what you do 
is you cut back on surplus labor, and the best way to do that is find an alternative use. And just like a commodity, wheat, corn, or cotton, cut back production, subsidize producer, store the surplus. Surplus stored in a jail cell. Cutting back production is when kids drop out, bang out, drug out, get wrong attitudes, wrong lifestyle, get prego too early, too often. They have no education, no job skills. They go to jail and get put in that penitentiary cell instead of the grain silo. And you privatize the whole bloody doggone industry, and people have a trillion-dollar high-growth uh, business proposition that's involved with feeding, clothing, sheltering, transportation, communication involving inmates. So it solves the problem, and also that causes inner-city communities to be chaotic so they can't behave cohesively politically and then deal, deal with self-help. So you got a big mess going on. There's no conspiracy. Nobody planned it this way. It just happened. But, and, Judge, let me ask you something. So, I don't want to push back, but in, in a way, I'm, I'm going to push back, though, because a lot of people do think it's a conspiracy. A lot of people do think it was planned this way. Everything that you just laid out seems like it was a plan. When you look at the criminal justice system, it, 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 well, how, it, so you're, you're, you're basically telling me that all the stars have aligned the right way for the top 1% to 3% to benefit from the rest of the 97% of us. No, it's not anybody conspired to do it. You run into things like Ronald Reagan's administration where it really opened up, but people are people. They haven't changed in nature in thousands of years. And if you see, you'll find that every society that has been, there's a concentration of wealth so something can be done with it. Then it spreads, and then the society gets more populous, and then the wealth is too complex. And traded in it false. So mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. we have right now is, is that they don't want to spend the money to pay for the infrastructure. Everybody looked at Bernie Sanders like he was crazy when he said education ought to be free. Well, when I went to UCLA, there was no tuition, <laughs> not in any of the universities or California colleges or uh, junior colleges. It was free. And well, I was, was feeling the burn. I was feeling the burn. Yeah. I, I, I must have. I, I told this to everybody. I judge. I felt the burn because you know. You know why? There were certain things that Bernie was talking about, and I knew he couldn't win in the South where I am. I, I knew he couldn't win in the South because he he can't speak the language of the church. And we know when the, in the primary, a Democratic primary, black people elect who's going to be who's going to move forward to the general. Period. That's what yeah. happens in the and South. The bottom, and the bottom line is, is both parties get stuck with candidates that are unelectable. Now, Hillary Clinton, see, I remember back in the 60s when she was spread around the country as this smart young female scholar who was a Republican, and she campaigned for that racist Barry Goldwater who started Thank playing you. the race Thank card. you. Exactly. And she went around exactly. campaigning for Richard Tricky Dick, I am not a crook Nixon. See, and Bernie Sanders was chairman of a core chapter trying to integrate the suburbs in the Chicago 
uh, area, and Hillary Clinton's family was out there trying to keep the black folk out, which is why they moved out of California, uh, out of uh, Illinois. Now, here's another thing. Her daddy worked for Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs got her not $16 million like, $13 million like she reported, but $26 million in a year and a half for speaking engagements, and that's nothing but a bribe. Uh, Bill Clinton did us a disservice when in last year of his first term, he got in bed with the financial investment banking industry. And right, right. The Democratic Party no longer was protecting us. And you find Cruz, who's wife worked for Goldman Sachs. You got Obama and Michelle worked for a law firm that represented Goldman Sachs. The first two he got on the Supreme Court, those two women, and I thought he would have gotten somebody black on there to offset Clarence Thomas, worked for Goldman Sachs and consulted with them. His Treasury Secretary Geithner was Goldman Sachs's uh, chief uh, consultant. And the last man he nominated for the Supreme Court, by the way, was an old-line conservative reactionary Republican whose firm worked for Goldman Sachs. Obama's trust fund does business with Goldman Sachs. You know, it's kind of a little weird because what is it about Goldman Sachs, Smith, Barney, and all of them? Well, because the subject of finance is supposed to be so arcane the government let them get in a position where they don't have to use their own money to do business. You just do it on paper or in cyberspace, and if you get in trouble, the U.S. government will back you up. Hence, the bailout bill for $700 billion, and under the Obama, that was Bush, and under the Obama administration, the Economic Incentive Act drafted by Guyton, $781 billion, which, by the way, of the two single largest expenditures in the whole history of the United States of America. Now, now Judge, now, let me let me just say one thing. I, I, so, in the black community, basically, you're speaking blasphemy because all you're you're almost you're almost being critical of of our black Jesus, which is Barack Obama. I mean, you're you're black. almost you're 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 almost being critical of Black Jesus now, and 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 I'm I'm gonna tell you something. Let let's do this, Judge. Let me let me take a break because I, I want the listeners to to you know maybe you want to rethink it because I don't know. Because I don't want to rethink it. it. I tell I, the truth. Judge, you need, to, judge, you need to learn the truth about this. This is this is the See. thing though. Black people are not supposed to say anything bad about. Barack Obama or the Obama administration or to think that President Obama could possibly have been a pawn or whatever the case may be. But you're saying some stuff that, you know, is going to definitely upset the apple cart. So what I want to do, let's Good. take a quick it break. Upset. All right. Well, listen, upset. you're, 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 hey, you're doing it. That's why you're here on hip politics. I say all the time, it's a free speech zone. You can say what you want to say, however you want to say it. And you never know what you're going to get. We got Judge Joe Brown tonight, everybody. He's talking about Barack Obama. Oh, my God. Black Jesus. You never know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more Judge Joe Brown. We'll go back into Barack Obama. CDJ Live. Thank you. 
tweet it out. <laughs> this is something. 646-668-8655. Great conversation with Judge Joe Brown. Enjoying it. Get in the chat room. Let me see you, MP. I see you, bro. I appreciate your support. Everybody else, every week, hear politics. Free speech zone. Say what you want to say. This is where it's at. Don't be scared. Judge Joe Brown's not scared, that's for sure. I <laughs> love it. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Hip Politics. Um, you know what? I would never have called Judge Joe Brown controversial. Um, although I've done a lot of research, listened to a lot of interviews and things of that nature. But, Judge, I got to call you controversial tonight because you're, you're going way, 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 way out in a space where the black community never goes. And in and, and full disclosure, I love... Barack Obama. I mean that. Yeah. I mean, my wife calls it my man crush. I'm. I'm I, I have to give you full disclosure. So I'm going to say go that. But but you know but you you're going into to, to you're going into territory that's like if we're at the beach, you know it's like when when your parents tell you to hey come back in come back in, but I don't know if you want to go back out there we can do it. You were talking about Judge. Uh, you were talking I'm, I'm, about Barack Obama when we went uh, to break. Yeah, I'm a master scuba diver with my certification, and I've died gone <laughs> diving with a very big shark. Okay, okay. Have you, ever heard of, have you ever heard of the Heritage Foundation? I have heard of the Heritage Foundation. Absolutely, a bunch of right wing cranks. Do you know that they gave Obama their third highest rating for conservative voting for the two years he was in the U.S. Senate? No, I, no, that I it, that I didn't know. You can you can look it up. It's it. They've got it. They'll, you can get it. And the bottom line is, is there were only two U.S. senators they ranked as more conservative in their voting than a Barack Obama, and he had the lowest voting rate in the U.S. Senate for two years, but the third best conservative voting. And see, he didn't get raised in the inner city in the United States of America. He doesn't have a black daddy or mama or grandmama or anybody who grew up in the United States and had personal experience with segregation, racism, apartheid, or any of that stuff. He grew up in an Indonesian home where the head of the household was one of the 10 or 15 richest men on the planet Earth. He was a major in the Indonesian Army and ran the death squad, their equivalent of the Gestapo back in the Revolution. They almost had it back in 1960, 61, and 62. See, that's what you got going on there. You see, he comes over here. He used to gridlock every city he went to because he's never seen it before. 
He was eligible. He's a U.S. citizen, apparently born in Hawaii. That's all that you need. By the way, one little thing on to, on Cruz. You can't run for president if you were not born in the continental United States as judge, a military you're to sound, base. You're starting to sound a little... Judge, you're starting to sound a little no, like Trump. I'm not Trump. talking about Obama. Obama qualified. No, you're talking about Cruz. Trump talked... If you remember now, Trump said Cruz... He had an issue with Cruz being born uh, possibly in Canada. Uh, yeah, here, here, Cruz says he's born in Canada. Now, I can go get the Constitution itself. There are two places where they talk about citizenship. One of them says if any one of your parents was an American citizen, it doesn't make any difference where in the world you were born, you're an American citizen. But later on, right. qualification for president, you can't be the president if you weren't born in a United States, in a state of the United States, a territory or protectorate or on U.S. Uh, uh, enclaves like a military base, a consulate, okay. or, or uh, an embassy or a military base of the Panama Canal Zone, you can run so your for U.S. President. Your contention is that if even if you have uh, uh, even if one of your parents is a U.S. citizen, if you're born in, let's say, just any other foreign country that's not a uh, that's not Puerto Rico, a U- U.S. protectorate, as you said, that you would not be eligible to run for president of the United States. That's exactly right. It's clearly spelled out in the Constitution. The underlying. So Donald Trump that. actually has Donald Trump actually had an argument when he said that. Yeah, exactly. It does. You, it's in the Constitution. It's not in the amendment. Wow. And the other thing, too, is you hear all this international war on terror. There is no authorization in the Constitution to declare war on a private entity, and plus, how do you fight an idea? But Article 1, Section 8 says it's the duty of the armed forces and the president in particular and the Navy in particular to suppress and eradicate piracy wherever found in the world. So you had four airplanes hijacked on 911, and right. uh, there are amendments, and the Constitution itself says amendments have the same effect as the law of the uh, supreme law of the land. So they declare hijacking airplanes as piracy. So going after bin Laden anywhere in the world, and Al Qaeda is suppressing and eradicating piracy. That's why the Marine Corps has that thing to the shores of Tripoli and their hymn. That's what they were doing with suppressing piracy. And interestingly enough, you have another thing that they don't call these people to account on when the right wing gets into it about uh, the UN conspiracy and United, uh, NATO conspiracy, and even Trump's way wrong on it because part of one Article 1, Section 8 says is it's the duty of the president the U.S. government and the armed services to, quote, enforce the law of nations, unquote. And that doesn't even require that there be a treaty. That's just what civilized people do. So they totally well, disregard it. Okay, so, so check this out, Judge. But, so I, I basically, Ted Cruz's argument, and, and there's a couple things I want to get through because, uh, I mean, our time is running really, really short. Judge, I'm going to tell you something. 
you are so interesting. I could go a thousand different places. But one of the things you talked about, uh, uh, you referenced was the 14th Amendment. And, and I want to get there and just... Um, no, and, I didn't and, reference the 14th Amendment. I you, said, you didn't with the natural born citizen clause? I in, no, I just said the thing about the qualifications in the Constitution okay. itself, not in the amendments. Article 1, Section 8 talks about... Uh, suppressing and eradicating piracy and enforcing the law of nations. You know. So well, what about what about all- section one? What about section one, article two, that talks about eligibility requirements for serving as president of the United States? Um, well, and, 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 yeah. Go ahead. That you got to be born somewhere in what used to be the colonies. Uh, or in the original states, or in the territory, or a protectorate. And that puts you in a whole lot of places. That's so you don't have a long-term sleeper agent. You know who could not run for president, but otherwise qualified, like Tom, like Cruz? Who's that? Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill. His father was an English lord, and his mother was a rich American heiress from Chicago, Illinois whose daddy founded the Fields Department Stores. Well, you know, usually usually what they would usually what they reference when they talk about Article Two of the Constitution, they use Martin Van Buren. <laughs> a great president, right? Yeah, anyway. Martin Van Buren as the exception when they talk about that. And no, you're not an exception. He was born in England but that was before the colonies revolted. Right. He, so well, he was colonies, he was a British subject. You're exactly you're exactly right. He was a British so subject. So what happened is he had renounced that and become a citizen of the colonies before the revolution. That's also okay. in the Constitution too, but that's obsolete. See, judge, the Constitution that's why, is not law. It most that's why it you're the judge, there. though. That that's exactly but why I'm you're the judge. Not. I'm not the judge. See, most judges and most lawyers have never read the Constitution. They've studied constitutional law, but they've never read the thing. The whole Constitution, 10, 15 pages long, that's it. And that's in a pamphlet. Right. Right. And most of that's just the administration setting the government up. Well, I'll tell you what. It's 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 really interesting. One of the things I want to do is, you know, our time is running short. We only have an hour. It, it this is probably out of all the years we've done hip politics, this is probably the most interesting hour that we've had. And I'm so grateful to have Judge Joe Brown. If you're just tuning in, if you uh, you know, if you want to join hip politics, I see a lot of people listening online. I appreciate you six four six 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 eight eight six five five. Great conversation with Judge Joe Brown. Very, very interesting. You guys did not know that the judge was so deep. You thought he was only TV, but he's definitely not only TV. We'll take a quick break when we come back. There's a couple things I want to get to. Judge, when we come back, I want to find out exactly how you felt in this particular system that I know, um, you know, deals with, people of color a little bit different uh, than other people. And I want to know it how you feel like. It a lot different than other people. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. And I want to know how you were able to balance that act 
balance that out while you were on the bench. And so let's finish uh, up with that. Justin, we'll take a Justin, well, Judge. Let's Justin, let's do this. Let's take a quick break. Let's take a quick break and let's go back and let's come back in with that. You listen to politics, everybody. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, six minutes left with the judge. I'll tell you what, thank you for tuning in to Hip Politics. Mark Jarrell, the Hip Politician. So glad to be back. Want to give a shout-out to Chester Davis Jr., CDJ Live. Follow him at Twitter, Terrence Shaw. Hit us up on Facebook. Got a lot going on. Judge Joe Brown in the building. Judge, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. A lot of interesting conversation Go going on tonight. Uh, it's it just you can't do it in the hour with you. You just you just won't you won't you won't let us do it in the hour. You you just won't let well, you yeah, just won't do I, it. I, I, <laughs> you mentioned this thing, uh, Gorsuch for the Supreme Court. Gorsuch, I, exactly. I was really leery about him until I read some of his decisions, and I said, you know what, man is fair. And then I contrasted him with Obama's last nomination. And Obama's nomination was on the Second Circuit. He's always been anti-affirmative action. Now, we're talking about Merrick right now. You're talking about Merrick. Yeah. No, I'm talking about Merrick. He was always... Merrick Garland, right. Yep. Always anti-affirmative action. And on many a case coming out of the Second Circuit where there was a three-judge panel and somebody black was claiming they got wrongfully convicted, it was on many occasions two justices voting to overturn the conviction and Merrick voting to sustain. Meanwhile, I looked at Gorsuch and I said, you know what? This guy is a pretty straight up and down guy when it comes to criminal law. I don't have any problems with him. We haven't had anybody like that on the Supreme Court for a long time. That harkens back to Black and Douglas and Warren back in the 60s. See, in But, Judge, don't the, you know you're going judge. against the – don't you understand that you're going against the norm? Don't you understand that you're going against the, you know, how – 
particularly African Americans are supposed to be thinking right now? Look at here. First off, let me say this. We have no African American leadership on the national level. We have What about Al Sharpton? What about Jesse Jackson? Oh, heck no. Uh, Jesse Jackson is of retirement age, way over the hill, and he's a preacher. Al Sharpton is a preacher. Let's just put it that way and I'll be nice about it. They're not leaderships now. They're not leaders now in the leadership role that we ought to have. There are no Malcolm X's out there. There are no uh, Stokely Carmichael's, H-Rap Browns, uh, anything like that anymore. We don't have that. Uh, leadership we have is too passive and too interested in using what passes as black leadership to make it big time, but. You know, it's it, what they do doesn't have a retirement plan and no pension benefits, you know. So mm-hmm. we don't have it. So what you get rammed into you is more of this big lie told loud enough, long enough about what we ought to be about. And half these characters you hear put up in front of us as black leaders, you know, they can't even walk down in the hood without getting their behinds beat without an armed escort. <laughs> you know, so... Uh, the black population has been in the back pocket of the Democratic Party too long. The Republican Party hasn't done much, if anything, to lure us away, but the Democratic Party hasn't done anything either. They just deny... Yeah, but do, do, do the, the Republicans, Republicans, judge, do the Republicans actually care? I mean, you know Neither what? At least... No, no, and I Neither agree with you. That that's what I agree with you. I mean, one of the things about hip politics, it's a nonpartisan zone, and I agree with you one hundred percent. But at least the Democrats act like they're making an attempt. The Republicans don't I, even make an attempt. I I am too old for worrying about somebody getting rewarded for appearances. I want to see results. The last time we had a Democrat that did something for us was Bill Clinton, and that really wasn't that much. Jimmy Carter was a decent man. But the last time we had a president, and it sounds strange to say it, that did something for black folk was Lyndon Baines Johnson. Probably the most ruthless, unprincipled, would-be racist you've ever run into who suddenly got very deep off into being conscientious. Now I'm he, going to he caught, something. He caught religion. He caught religion at the in, in the twelfth oh, hour, basically. It's like you ask me, what do I think about sitting on the bench? It's about justice. Justice mm-hmm. is a concept that humans all over the world from day one have had. It's not so much anything wrong with justice or the means of delivering it. It's who's sitting there doing it, and what's that person's motive? Does he have? something where he doesn't include certain categories in this you know it's like uh are you an animal rights lover or are you somebody who hunts you know or do you have rules about what you hunt you know it's all about what you perceive to be your end game and speaking of which if you want to find out who's been doing what for who particularly on the presidential level or senatorial level, or vice presidential level, or gubernatorial level, look at what they get after they're out of office and who it comes from and how much, and you can determine who they were actually working for. 
there are a few statesmen-like people who do it for the benefit of people generally and those who've got some ulterior motive. So just look. You see what gotcha. I'm saying? Just pay attention. No, Judge, I, I'm, I, you know what? I think I'm tracking with you. Everybody else that's listening is tracking with you. I appreciate everybody tuning into politics. Judge, you know what? Our time is up. But tell us exactly what you have going on. I know you want to talk about manpower. Give us a brief synopsis on that, and uh, you know, and then oh, what yeah. we'll do is, I mean, we've got to we've got to start a part two on this thing. We got to have you oh, back yeah. for sure. This is crazy. I'm starting. I'm starting a man time campaign nationally if I can. We need to restore the yin yang uh, balance. Too much of this feminist thing. Not women, just feminism, which a lot of women don't like. It's been tried to emasculate men for the last 45 years, and they've caused the society to be softer, gentler, kinder, and very ineffective and driven by emotions instead of practicality and hardcore rational decisions based on an objective that can be obtained. We've got a man up. They've had take your daughter to work week for 45 years, but they've never had take your son to work week. And the boys are falling behind, and we need to catch that up so we can promote manhood, protect womanhood, and restore the balance. That's important. That's irrespective of race or ethnicity. Next bloody Mm -hmm. thing we need to know is don't fall for what you see on TV. Go to alternative media. Look at sources. Go out and do the work yourself. You're going to get one idea when you first do it, and then later it will morph into something else. Be mad. Be angry and then want to do something about it. And the damn thing you got to understand is as you get older, you will find out life is not long. You're going to die anyway. You'll die quick enough. So at least when you die, have then about something when you lived. And that's That's the message I was thinking. That's it, and I think that's a great uh, way to end everything, Judge Joe Brown. Thank you so much for being on Hippolytics. Uh, man, we got to do a part two, obviously. I get, I'm get i getting a lot of feedback in the chat room, everybody's saying that. We need to have you back. This has been so enlightening, great conversation. Thank you, everybody, for joining us, tuning in tonight. Judge Joe Brown, awesome. A lot of information. Just right. jumping My up and pleasure. down. All right. You know, we appreciate you, everybody. We appreciate you guys listening. Absolutely. We'll be back in a couple weeks, everybody. Don't forget Hippolytics free, free Speech Zone. This is the place you can say anything you want to say, any way you want to say it. This is the place where you can figure out exactly what you're trying to do, what your platform is. We are just so honored to have everybody here. We thank you so much for joining us, tuning in. we got some great guests coming up. Chester's got Willie D uh, from the Ghetto Boys. We've got Bun B. We've got, I mean, we've got so many great guests coming up. Obviously, Judge Joe Brown is out here, um, and we have you guys. So every week, if you've got a, 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 a suggestion on the show, Hit us up on Facebook. Hit us up on Twitter. Twitter's at HitPolitics. Facebook is 
Facebook.com slash HitPolitics. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We love you. We appreciate you. Let's take this thing out. Let's finish how we started, crossover. You know what it is. Hit Politics, Mark Jarrell, the hit politician. We're back, everybody. Can't wait. Thank you. <laughs>